It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I was on my own, you have no idea. I'm getting more paracetamols than the good baby. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rotary Report podcast in association with Southern Community Soup Kitchen and we're uh, joining you tonight for a bit of an impromptu podcast. Um, I think it's just because we're all buzzing still off Sunday's result. We've decided to get our heads together at 10 o'clock right now, actually it's nearly half 10, um, to talk about Sunderland because clearly we don't like sleep. Um, it's Gavia, as, you, as you're probably aware. I'm joined by Craig Chapman. Craig, you look as tired as me. What we're doing? We are milking this for everything that it's worth. They don't mm. come along very often these days, so by God, let's uh, let's have a few days to celebrate it. Yeah, and uh, across the other side of the world, we've got Martin, who is sat in his office for once. Normally, you, we'll, we'll let the listeners in on this, the fourth wall, we're breaking it down here. Um, Martin normally records in his car in the garage, away from his kids and all the noise and stuff. But today, it looks like it's a nice sunny day, Martin, where you are. Well, you're, you're letting the light in be... Upon the magic there, Gav, aren't you? You're shining a lot. You're revealing the secrets, and it's not, it's not a car; it's a mobile recording studio. I think it's only fair to to make that point. But yes, it's half past nine in the morning. I've got the house to myself. A meeting was cancelled, so I'm taking the opportunity to to talk about Sunderland, which is no bad thing at the moment, is it? No, I mean the lad. Any everyone listening has probably heard the the post match podcast um, with the lads after the game on Sunday. They were all a bit merry and pissed and and uh, enjoying themselves. But it was also a bit emotional. I think when I'm probably past that point now. I'm not. I'm not really emotional about it. But I mean, what a what a just what a day. You know what I mean? It's it, I'm I sat there wondering about it. Like, what would it have been like if we had been there? But then on the other hand, it was still just a brilliant occasion, wasn't it, Craig? It, I mean, you, you, we haven't seen Sunderland win a game at Wembley in our lives. Um, so to just say that, to, just to, to witness the players celebrating in the manner they did, seeing the togetherness was, was enough for me. I think it's just, it, 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 feels, it feels cathartic in a way as well. Like We, we, haven't, we, haven't, um, we haven't had many of them moments, have we, over the years? No, and I think I think you are right in that respect. I mean, we know for an absolute certainty that it's never ever going to be the occasion that we've always dreamt it to be. You know, you look back at those moments of McGeady equalising in front of forty thousand fans, and you know you've got the the flutter in the belly thinking you're going to win something. You've got the moments of Barini putting us ahead against Man City, and it, it's never ever going to compare to that. But what it does is it gives us just a bit of rejuvenation. It gives us a bit of hope and it's almost like we've hit a hard reset over the past couple of weeks and it's it's all mm. of a sudden it's it's something that we can kind of use to to sort of signal the rebirth of the club and you're right I mean it was a bit of a different experience for all of us I mean Christ the last time I was at Wembley I was I was pissed as a fart I downed a full bottle of gin and I ended up crying <laughs> when Charlton scored the winner um, and in comparison to that I was sat in the sitting room with my four-year-old little girl I never touched a drink all day long, but you know, just seeing like the the smile on her face and even hearing the words "get in" come out of her mouth when <laughs> when we're lifting the trophy. I mean, that's that's something that's you know bred into all of us, and it's it's moments like that that you'll treasure. And like I said, look, it's it's never going to be the same, but it's it's still a massive moment for us. And people can laugh, people can ridicule it, they can call it 
and Mickey Mouse Cup. And I mean, Christ, I even seen, you know, local journalists making comments that it's uh, a trophy perhaps not worth celebrating, but it means everything to Sunderland fans just to see us win and, and lift that curse. So we'll take mm-hmm. it for what it is. It's not the FA Cup, but it's, it's never, ever going to be as, as big as that, but it's, it's a start of something new. How did you spend the day then, Martin? I know you, you, you normally make the trip over, don't you? Um, well, well, you I, came, I came over the, the last time we, um, we got to the final against Portsmouth. I, I had a long weekend in, in London, which was, was good fun, apart from the result, obviously. But um, <laughs> I, probably, I probably would have come over this time as well if we'd all been allowed. But seeing as I'm technically a prisoner in Australia at the minute, it's, um, which is, <laughs> is ironic given the, the history of Australia. Um, <laughs> It it wasn't wasn't possible, but oh look, I think like unlike you, Gav, I, I've actually been um, I've been watching the interviews back over the last twenty four hours. I've been remembering the you know lifting the, the cup. I've been looking at images of us lifting. I'm actually getting more emotional about it because <laughs> it's it's funny because uh, you get consumed in the game when you're watching the game, and for a, a lot of that game, you were kind of nervous. I was a little bit. Um, frustra- I, I'd hoped that we'd go out with a real sort of swashbuckling performance and stuff them four or five nil and and really sort of turn it on. It, it wasn't like that, and, you know. It's Sunderland. It's never going to be like that. Is it? I think I was no. just deluding myself. It, it was, but the fact that you know we we've we've managed to lift a cup, and that's you know that's the first bit of silverware in, of any form that we've lifted since what we we got promoted under Roy Keane, isn't it? Yeah, so you're, you're yeah. looking at no, what, no, 15 no. Years we, ago. we we beat um, Sport and Lisbon for the Alba Fiera. <laughs> I was going to say, don't you dare try and discredit that picture of Nairon lifting over European <laughs> silverware. Yeah. Well, if if the local journals are discrediting the um, the Papa John's trophy, I don't know what they do to the the Portuguese Peri Peri <laughs> Chicken trophy. Um, but look, I, I think the, the the biggest thing is you know as as Craig touched upon there, it's like. It's a reset with the, the new ownership, and you know you can see with the, with the stuff that's gone on behind the scenes over the past few weeks, and you know a few months since Johnson was appointed and Speakman was appointed. This is a new start. It's not simply the club changing hands to somebody else who's going to run it in the same same way. It's a new start. Mm. And I think we had to get that trophy. Once we got to the semi-finals, we had to get that trophy, and it, to to signify the start of something new. This is different. Yeah, change mentality. This is a club that goes to Wembley and wins things, not like we've done mm. for the past forty-eight years. We go to yeah. Wembley and we win, and for that mentality change, for for the supporters, for the the people working at the club, for the players, I think that's massive. And I hope yeah. that you know we can kick on from here and really use that as a such a solid foundation for what we we hope um, Louis Dreyfus will build for Sunderland over the next few years. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it, to see um, Joyce the chef on the pitch with the trophy. No, that, do you know? Do you know what? It, I think that's that's. There's probably a little bit something deeper in that, you know, and that Johnson's made a big effort to include everybody. Like even the the injured players were all there. They even had youth players there. Like um, I forget the name of the kid who was there, but they had one of the sixteen year olds there. Um, you know, everybody who who is part of that squad was involved in the day and that includes the staff it includes you know people who've maybe not even kicked the ball for us yet I mean even Ross Stewart was posing for a photo with the cup um, and it was great to Benji see Benji was dancing yeah, yeah I got a bit of stick for that I just found it funny he, he, was, he was going absolutely crack as dancing with the trophy and I was like that's just it's just no, I funny thought, I thought it was brilliant <laughs> It was brilliant. It, it, it touches upon everything that you've said. Like it, it seemed like every, every player, you know, and you saw Sanderson and O'Brien chanting in the stands, and and like it just had a feeling that everyone was together, and mm. that's that's such a massive thing for any any club. You know, in you know we've all seen on the TV, and there's no need to pick over the bones of, of Sunderland till I die and all that sort of stuff. But you could, you could see division across that program. You could see division of departments. You could see division of personnel. See divisions in the playing squad. And yesterday seemed to be the complete opposite of that. The final on Sunday seemed to be the complete opposite of that. Yeah. Where everyone seemed together. And you know, as you say, that Joyce was there. There was all other people were there. And I think um, you know Grant Ledbetter touched upon it in his interview, didn't he? Where he talked about Johnson caring about yeah yeah people. And that's it's such a massive concept. And I think you know 
the um the, I can't again I can't remember the lad's name who, who you mentioned there, Gav, but you know the sixteen year old six foot two striker from Blythe, um <laughs> who you know who who could be a potential star for us. Who who knows? But like I think that's something that Christian Speakman spoke about in a podcast before he was appointed at Sunderland in terms of taking care of younger players and giving them exposure mm-hmm. yeah, to yeah. the first team setup. And I think that again it all these little bits we picked up on on Sunday kind of speak to what we hope is, you know, being attempted to to be established behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, since we decided to record this podcast about, what, 15 minutes ago, and I didn't really know what we'd talk about, I thought, oh, I'll sling a tweet up on the Roker Report Twitter account, just asking for questions, and we've had about 8 million replies. So we're going to have to honour <laughs> some of them, aren't we? We're going to we're gonna have to answer some of these questions. So, yeah. It's a bit of an uh, ask us anything. I do this sometimes on the Twitter account and we get loads of responses anyways. So thought, why not? Let's do a bit of a pod. Ask me anything. Um, I'm going to start off with a question from Graham Atkinson. Uh, Graham says, really impressed with how fluid our formation is under Lee Johnson. We often make a change two or three times in the game effortlessly. But if everyone is fit, what should be our preferred formation to see out the season? And it's interesting because... We we haven't we haven't really stuck to a way of playing. We did under Parkinson, regardless of who we played, we played the same way. But under Johnson, we it it's been a little bit because we've um you know like like Graham says the fluidity's there. It must it's obviously in the in the way he coaches, but then on top of that, we don't we don't really have many fit players, so we're kind of like we're kind of stuck in how we're meant to do it, aren't we, Martin? But um. Uh, actually, Craig, I'll yeah, I'll throw this one to you then. So, what what formation would you like to see us go with? Uh, it's a bit of a difficult one, isn't it? Because we've we've played kind of everything over the past few weeks, and I think the biggest compliment you can give to Johnson is, you know, considering how stretched we are, is how good and reactionary he has been, and how yeah. he's got the squad actually buying into it, and you've got Lugo Nine playing, you know, kind of like in an attacking midfield role for a brief period against Doncaster, the MK Dons game in the in the EFL trophy as well. Now all of a sudden he's like he's left centre back. So it seems like he's got everyone buying into this, you know, particular belief like you will basically slot in anywhere and they seem to be doing it seamlessly. It's it's good though that you mentioned about Parkinson as well because you're right, he was very stuck in his in his ways. Regardless of who we played, it seemed to be the same formation every single week. And we got away with it for that, what, eight, nine, ten game period from January mm-hmm. to March onwards. But as soon as we got figured out, that was it. We had no plan B. Whereas with Lee Johnson, he's got, you know, so many kind of tricks up his sleeve. You look at the lineup every single week when the club put it up and they always do the itemized, like, you know, n- numbers down opposed like formation. So you always sit there figuring it out at two o'clock what formations he actually playing today. And <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever tends to get it right. It's always it's always something different. But um I, I don't know really because we we haven't been spoilt with the luxury of having everyone fit back and I suppose if you do you're probably going to have to look to to really play at our strength so whether that be like 4-3-3 three, three, whether you've got say Denver Hume bombing down the wing and giving it to McGeady it's a really difficult one to answer like I said because we, we haven't haven't say fully witnessed the, the squad being at full strength and I don't think we will due to the nature of the injuries but I, I wouldn't settle on a preferred one at the moment I would just kind of hope that Johnson continues to be proactive in this approach. If something's not working, changes. Yeah. Um, maybe not to the extent like Jack Ross did at Ipswich last season where we had three or four formations or something like that in like 45 <laughs> minutes just settle on something. But yeah, whatever whatever Johnson's doing at the moment, it seems to work. So uh, I put my faith in him to continue with that. Yeah, I don't really think I could put my finger on one formation. It's nice to see us doing different things, isn't it? Um, Luke O9 question here for you, Martin. From Matt SFC nine, he says, "Would you keep Luke nine at centre half for the rest of the season after how well he's been doing?" I think I'd keep him there for for now, certainly because he's he's been fantastic. I think, and it's one of those things, you know, if if it's not broken, why fix it? I think at centre half, he he gives that um, that ability to bring the ball out of defence, and we saw a few times in the final, didn't we, where his composure and his touch got us out of a few potentially tricky situations there you know he's, yeah. he did a little turn in the box when somebody was closing him down and just buys you a little bit of time so I think he's growing into that position um and I th- look I, I think he's I think he's a fantastic player I, I genuinely think you could put him in any outfield position probably in goal as well 
and um, he'd do a, a cracking job. You yeah. know, I, I was I was shouting for him to be put up front with Charlie White earlier in the season, so you know he's he's gone to the <laughs> other end of the end of the field. But I think you know you've got Bailey Wright coming back, you got Sanderson coming back, and you know to me Sanderson's a shoe in for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think if you're looking at yeah. he's got to, hasn't he? And I think if you look at you know formations and personnel for the rest of the season, you go, okay, well, who's a definite? Sanderson for me nailed on, put him in there. And I think it then depends on who else is fit, what else happens. If we get a couple more injuries in midfield and Bailey Wright's coming back, Luke O'Nine's going to be put in midfield, isn't he? Yeah. If yeah. Um, if Denver Yoon breaks down, which obviously we hope he doesn't, there's a chance that when Bailey Wright comes back, Luke O'Nine can go to left back. So I think his versatility sometimes works against him. Um, but for now, I'd just keep him at centre half. Mm, yeah. Uh, I agree. Totally agree. He's. Um... He's made that position his own. I mean, he's got man the match, what, three out of the last four games playing centre-half. And that, that partnership with Sanderson is just unbelievable, really. I mean, I know at the weekend uh, he played with McLaughlin, he played with Flanagan for a bit till he went off injured. But them as a partnership, I mean, if you didn't know Luke O'Nine was in the centre-half, you would say definitely that's your first-choice pairing. It's um, needing to get, get a side new contract, don't we? Yeah, well, yeah. We've had a couple of questions about that as well. I mean... I've I've it's been it's been playing on my mind all day, especially after Sunday. That he's we've just got to tie him down, offer him whatever he wants, you know, try and get him on a nice long contract. Because for me, Luke O'Neill is the type of player you want to build your club around. Like some fans, and I think they're starting to come round to the idea of it now that he's he's all right. But some fans still don't don't get him, and I'm like, for me, as a as a Fan of a team playing in the third tier, it kind of get much better than him, like because he he can play it yeah. anywhere, he can play anywhere, and and he plays well anywhere, and not only that, I mean even if he was the worst player on the team, his attitude, his mentality, and everything, is exactly what we as Sunderland fans should want from any player. He's he's, you could if you could if you could, like build a robot footballer. <laughs> I mean, you might give them Cristiano Ronaldo's ability. But, I mean, yeah, his his just the his whole mentality on everything. I just oh, I just can't speak highly enough for Luke Wine. I'd I'd keep me here forever if I could. I'm he's got, he's a he's vampire. Got a he's stay young forever. <laughs> he's got a, um, a podcast that he's just started, hasn't he? Um, yeah, he has. Yeah. And when when you you listen listen to a few episodes of that, his desire to be as good as he possibly can be to improve and to learn every day is incredible. Yeah, and if if you want an ethos to run throughout the whole of the bloody club, it starts with him. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and you can sort of see how I'd heard stories about when he first came to the club. Some of the players who'd lingered around for a while had um, they'd seen him doing extra work in the gym and stuff, um, and he was actually approached by one of them. I won't name them. But he was approached by one of the players and was said, "You know, can you can you not do that because you're making us look bad? We're like <laughs> we're pissing off after training to go and play golf, and you're you're hanging around all day doing extra stuff and that. It's like making the rest of us look really bad. And it took me a while to fit in, but obviously a lot of those characters have moved on now, and he's become one of the dominant characters in the group. And I just yeah, I mean look 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 at how kids go on about Luke Nine. Look how how many of them just admire him, and it's because. He's a proper role model. Proper role model. I think the the only thing that possibly counts against him when people look at him as as a footballer is the fact he gets moved around so much, mm. and he's he's not in one position. So it's it's kind of hard to to really put your finger on what he is in a certain position as a footballer. But to me, yeah. that's that's his strength because you can mm. put him anywhere, and you'll do uh, you'll put in a seven out of ten, eight out of ten, nine out of ten, ten out of ten performance, won't he? Yeah. Right, next question then, we'll roll on. Uh, Matt, who is at Rowley3333, he asks, will this be the springboard for promotion, lads? We've got to carry on the form we had before the final. This is our biggest chance to get out of this league. Can we do it, Craig? Uh, Yeah, I think for the first time in a long time, we're probably all starting to believe again that it's it's doable. We've been in these positions for, you know, kind of a few occasions over the past season, and we... We haven't sort of capitalised on them, especially under Jack Ross. Mm. If you think that uh, the previous seven games after the Czech trade final or whatever it was, we just fell apart. But 
you know, when you've seen the celebrations and the highlights back from yesterday, the 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 belief seems to be strong within the group. And I think Ledbet is the prime example of, of somebody yeah. to look at to, to really get a, a good, honest sort of feeling and appraisal of the manager that he cares about the players, regardless of the age. He's got them all believing that they've got a role to play. So I certainly think so. Um, I think it's probably important to note that it's very unlikely that we'll go unbeaten between now and the rest of the season. There is potentially going to be a banana yeah. skin. We might get beat somewhere. If it happens, you know, so be it. I think it's important that we don't all of a sudden sort of, you know, shit ourselves and think it's going to happen again. I think if it does happen, that Johnson's the type of person who will respond to it. And he has certainly done that. If we go back to the Shrewsbury game, we thought we were dead and buried in the playoffs. would just be, you know, kind of like a, a mental ambition. But all of a sudden now we're looking at the playoffs and going, that's not good enough. So we've proven over the course of the past six, seven games that we're capable of doing it. We just need to continue it. Um, if you asked us now for a prediction, I think we'll finish in the top two. I think it's going to be a fight between us, Hull and Peterborough for the automatics. But the way of looking at it is we've just got to better their results. We've got to go to Hull. We've got to go to Peterborough. And if you get a result to either place, I think you're going to put yourself in a in a really good position. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. I think... Mentally, I'm in a better place as a fan than I have been in a long time. Like I actually believe we can do it. There's been so many false dawns while we've been in League One, where we've went on two or three game runs, and we've been like that first season under Jack Ross. It was literally in our hands with what six games to go, and we threw it. But even then, I didn't feel like like we could do it. I, everyone sort of expected us to chuck it, and we did. And right now, it just seems to be a different feeling about the group about the players, mentally they're in a very good place. Uh, and I always co- I came back, I'll come back to this because I've mentioned it before. Um, but I remember listening to a podcast with Luke Steele, who was at Barnsley when Johnson was there. And he said he's never played for another manager as good as Johnson for getting the dressing room going, like before a game, getting, getting everybody fired up for it. He said he's the best manager he's ever had for it. And that sticks in the back of my mind all the time because you've got some big characters in there now. Um, who will love that style of management, particularly since the last manager was the complete opposite. You can't imagine Parkinson being like that. Um, it's all just starting to come together at the right time. Players coming back fit from from injury, like you mentioned Hume earlier on. Um, we haven't even seen Ross Stewart kick a ball yet, but th- that gives us another option in attack. Benji Kimpyork has come back. Um, you're gonna be able to, you know, play Winchester hopefully more regularly. He's looked all right recently. Um, so there's lots to be there's lots to be thankful for. There's lots to be um excited about, and I think that's just it's all just coming together at the right time. You see, you know that like Lincoln losing George Grant for the season, um, Portsmouth's manager getting sacked, Charlton have lost Boyer today. Like things are going on at other clubs. Well, everything seems to we we are the one club with a bit of momentum. So we've got a tough running, like haven't we? We've got a really tough running, but we have. But that, um, that puts it in our hands, doesn't it? Because we've got yeah, to play yeah. everybody above us. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not scared of anyone in this league. This is the worst league one there's ever been. While we've been down here, there's no, there's nothing to be fearful of. The key to it for us, I, I think, is just keeping McGeady fit. Yeah, and absolutely. Like and you know, he, he's played yeah. for somebody who's not played football for twelve months. He's played a hell of a lot of football in in three or four months, hasn't he? And yeah. he's, you know, he we saw on Saturday or Sunday. He, he doesn't need to be, you know, whipping in crosses every two minutes to get in Charlie Wag's head. He just one moment of, of magic makes all the difference. And I think you know, with the players that we've got available, with Gooch and um, Jordan Jones able to play those wide roles, I'd just like to see us be. I think, and I think, he, I think Johnson will just be a little bit more careful with yeah. how he plays McGeady for the rest of the. The season because you know for those games against Hull, Peterborough, and Lincoln, we need McGeady at hundred percent. Hmm. Um. Gareth Barker asks, "What accent does Lyndon Gooch have?" I, I've see. I've I've only I've only asked this one because I can't get my head round it. I've listened to him talk about twenty times in the last day or so. I don't know what he sounds like. He called himself a mongrel. I think he's. I think that's probably accurate, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's like a little bit Irish, a little bit Macam, a little bit, a little bit American. Then something else thrown in there. Um, it's got a bit of everything, hasn't it? I can't put my thumb on it. No, trying to trying to trying to think 
what he sounds like. It must be really confusing when you're around him all day, every day, when he's talking to you. That accent bouncing around. I mean, you you, you must have lived over in Australia a while now, Martin. We can still tell where you're, where you're from. I mean, he's been yeah, here. Mine, mine hasn't mine hasn't faded too much. No. My, my sister, right? My sister would spend some like two minutes talking to somebody who's Scottish, and for the next half an hour, she'd be talking Scottish. Yeah, like when we were kids, like if that. she went, yeah. if she went to Middlesbrough, she'd come back speaking like a borough person. <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing? But some people are just like that, aren't they? They soak, they soak up the yeah. accent and then they kind of just get it. And it's obviously, that's the case with Lyndon Gooch and it's obviously stuck with him for <laughs> forever. It's weird though, isn't it? Yeah, really weird. Uh, Harvey asks, what do you think Dion is worth and how much would you think Wolves would want on a permanent? He uses class and looks destined to be a solid uh, centre-half. It would be a great addition, especially being young. What do you reckon, Craig? I mean, it's a tough question, that, isn't it? But I mean, I, I'm... I'm sort of stuck with with Sanson because I would love him, love us to sign him, but the way he's playing, Wolves are going to want him back, surely, aren't they? Yeah, you'd expect so. Um, and I think that's the annoyance of loan players coming here and doing the job. Yeah, we've seen it so many times, and you fall in love with all these players, and it's like literally end of the season, and then you've got MV begging for us to to sign him, and then <laughs> we're bringing some plodder in replacement. The difference is, though, is I mean, it's like you said, I think Sanderson looks an absolute cut above um i think that he could play in the championship now as proven with that was a Cardiff last season um but he really seems to have bought into the club as you mentioned earlier the way that he was sort of celebrating um he caught himself on the the telly and it looked like he was sort of like starting chance off in the the executive boxes yeah, at, at wembley yeah. as well so it looks like he's enjoying this everybody's you know, kind of tweeting him and praising him non-stop. So for a young lad to, to have all of this attention, it'll be doing him the world of good. But yeah, you've got to expect that Wolves will be monitoring him and expecting that um, that he'll perhaps pay, play a part next season. And I, somebody mentioned this the other day. It was quite a, a, a good kind of like reply or a comment. I've seen that people have saying, well, he's not good enough for the Premier League yet. And somebody actually ch- uh, chipped in and said, well, look, you've got like Jimmy Dunn who played on loan for us and he went to like yeah. Fleetwood or whatever ap- afterwards. He's played for Burnley in the Premier League this season. I genuinely don't think the Premier League is anywhere near as good as people make out to be, judging on some of the shite that we've seen so far this season. And um, I, I think I think he'd do a job. Whether he'd fit into the Wolves side now, I don't know. I mean, they've just got beat off Liverpool, I believe. But um, they'll. I, th- I think they'll be wanting him back. And if they were to put a price tag, it's probably going to be out of our reach, even though we've now got you know kind of the trust fund behind us. It's it's probably out of our reach. Perhaps a loan signing, but. It's just one of those things, isn't it? Yeah. I take him back on Northern Mike. <laughs> I think it depends as well, though, about what he wants to do. Because I think yeah. he's got a year left on his contract. And if he goes back to Wolves, you know, and he's got the choice of playing a handful of games from the bench for, for Wolves and some cup games, or coming to us on a, on a permanent deal and playing every week in the championship, hopefully, you know, he, he could force the hand a little bit as well. So I think a, a lot... Yeah, we've got no chance if we don't go up of getting him, have we? But if we do no, go up... Is he a There's Wolves a fan? Boyard Wolves fan? I, well, he's certainly from the Midlands, isn't he? I'm not sure yeah. if he's a Wolves fan or not. But, I was going to say, you just, you just wonder sometimes that um, that the Paps still have that you know desire to try and force themselves back into the parent club. site like when Barini went back to Liverpool and we agreed the fee and he was like, no, nah, I'm not coming. Like, I, I really want to give this a go. So you kind of hope it's not going to be history repeating. I, I, I mean, he looks like he's enjoying himself, even if it's the case that we'll just get him for a, an additional year on loan. I'd be over the moon, but um, I think, sadly, it's it's probably going to end with him back in the Wolves team. Yeah. I think the odds are against us, aren't they? Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Right, I'm going to give you two at once here, Martin, because Gary Holleran has asked, do we think Charlie White can do it in the Championship? And Sean Cottrell has asked, um, would we give Max Power a contract if, if we get promoted? I mean, that... Basically, the same question for both of them, isn't it? Could is is if is power good enough to play in the championship? Um, and do we think Charlie White can do it up there? Because uh, yeah, it's a it's a big question. I mean, if you'd asked this this two or three months ago, you would have probably said no in both cases. But they've certainly turned their seasons around, haven't they? Yeah, no, that's right. And I think the uh, important thing, if we do go up, and obviously we're not being presumptuous with that, is that you you can't just start from scratch in terms of building the squad. So I think as a as a sort of transitionary thing, keeping both of them would be the right thing to do. I would certainly yeah. give both of them a contract because they've got sell-on value anyway. And if Charlie White doesn't do it, it up, up a level, there'd be clubs in League One 
um, who, who would pay half decent money for him after the season he's had with us. I'd um, I wouldn't expect either of them to to be regular starters for us in the championship. But I think to have them around the squad and have them um, coming off the bench or being part of that squad would would certainly be the sensible thing to do. I think mm. you just see. I think Max Power's grown as a captain so much yeah, yeah, like this has. season, hasn't he? And I think you know you you can't just you can't do things like that without appreciating the dynamic behind the scenes as well. Like Charlie White seems a really popular player in the in the squad. Max Power's obviously got pretty good leadership qualities, and you, you don't give those things away too easily. Like so, I'd, I'd certainly keep them. Yeah. Uh... SCFC L asks predictions for the top six come the end of the season. Tough one, isn't it? It's um, <laughs> it's funny at the minute. League League One, like if you look look at that table now. I mean, I'll, I'll I've got it in front of us. Hull are top with sixty eight points, but everyone beneath them has games and hands on them. So and they've lost 10, 10 games out of thirty six this season. Yet at the top of the top of the league. I mean, to put it into context, we've lost five. <laughs> so we've lost. They've lost twice twice as many games as us in the top of the division. Um, Peter Brass second at the minute, Lincoln are third, we're fourth, Doncaster fifth, Ipswich sixth. Then just outside of the playoffs, you've got Pompey, Charlton, Oxford, um, all the way down to Gillingham, really, you could say. Gillingham are only on 50 points. Uh, Blackpool, Blackpool could be a dark horse. I mean, the form's good. They've only played 31 games. Um and are on forty nine points. So, say for instance, you know you look into that that promotion race there. Ipswich are on fifty four. That five points behind them with two games in hand. So Blackpool could be a shout for the for the end of the season. I think if I was going to put money on it now, um, I would definitely say Hull will be top two. Uh, won the last five games just in a good vein of form um, and they've come down with a lot of those players they came down from the championship with a lot of those players so it's you know the, the, there's a bit of experience there and probably some of them are too good for this level I'm going to put us as second I just I've got a feeling it's coming this year Peterborough always fall away I think they've lost the last two um, so yeah us in second Peterborough third Lincoln I'm not sure about their form's patchy as well Lincoln have Lost their best player. I think I fancy them to get a playoff spot, but I think it'll be sixth. Um, so I would then put fourth place Doncaster. I think although Darren Moore has moved on, I think they'll stay in there. Um, and if I was going to put money on it, I'm going to see a Pompey for the for the other spot because um, they've just sacked Kenny Jacket. That squad's better than the were shown under him towards the end. Um, I mean the fact they're even in. In the still in the mix really is amazing considering the results they've had. Um, so yeah, I would go Hull, us, Posh, Doncaster, Pompey, and Lincoln. Yeah, that would be my top six. See, I, I think Ipswich are the side to watch. Yeah, Paul, Paul yeah, Cook's gone there, got, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a, he's a good manager too, and he's got he'll, he'll yeah. turn them around. Yeah, just whether they've left themselves with a bit too much to do, but you know, they're, they're only well, they're a couple of wins behind us, aren't they, with the same games? Yeah, um, yeah. Do you know as I totally forgot about Paul Cook going in there? Um, yeah, he's done it twice with Wigan, hasn't he? So he hasn't. You know, a lot depends on who who goes into Portsmouth and who goes into Charlton. Hmm. Whether whether Parky emerges in one of those two two clubs, It'd be the ghost of Phil Parkinson at Charlton, couldn't it? <laughs> ah, it's a, it that's that's going to be a big appointment for him because Bo, Boya was actually doing a really good job there, wasn't he? So yeah, he it's, was. It's difficult, you know, that when when you when clubs get in that situation as well, it must be a massive blow to their confidence, their the mentality and everything. When you've got a popular manager walks out the job for the players to then perform for another person. Um I wonder I wonder if they might be tempted to keep his assistant and just keep things as they were till the end of the season. I know it doesn't always work long term, but if they want to get promoted, it's better than having wholesale change, isn't it? But yeah. Well, that's right, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, next question then. Uh let's go to let's go to Brad, who asks three realistic signings you'd like us to make, Craig, if we did get promotion. Put you on the spot. Uh, oh god, Jordan Jones, yeah. number one. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, obviously, there was an article which was doing the rounds earlier, wasn't there, saying that a few championship teams are starting to sniff, Middlesbrough being one of them. So if there is any truth in that, you would expect them to perhaps have an immediate advantage with them being from that uh, from that neck of the woods. But no, I think he yeah. would be a good sign, and I, th- I certainly think that he could cut us in the league above. Um I mean, other than that, yeah, you just you just really don't know what you know we're going to be looking at and where we're going to be looking at yeah. because we kind of pulled Winchester and and Ross Stewart out of thin air and the talk about you know kind of like the 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 data and analytical approaches. So you'd expect it to perhaps be maybe an unknown or or somebody sort of fairly cheap, perhaps with an eventual resale value. But I, I think realistically speaking, if I was to be looking at where I would like us to strengthen is. We're probably going to need a better fullback because the expectancy is, is that Callum McFadden is is not going to get a contract next season. So, with Denver Hume and his injury troubles, you you're going to want somebody to compete with that spot. Um, and we're probably going to need another goalkeeper as well. I mean, Lee Burge doing a tremendous job at the moment, but by God, you know the games that he hasn't featured in the season, we've dropped some stupid points. I mean, you look at Shrewsbury the other week, and yeah. you know, not not do an immediate disservice, but I mean, Remy Matthews is just not not the level that, that we are aspiring to be at. So you 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 probably got to look at someone a bit than him. But I think we're going to need eventual improvements for for pretty much every position, you know, if we are, you know, kind of looking to kick on. But for the moment, at least, I'd be looking for a full-back, um, yeah. a half-decent goalkeeper and, and maybe maybe like a creative midfielder because, um, I mean, look, Grant's ticking on a bit now, isn't he? Um, mm. And even though he's, he's doing a, a pretty good job this season, you know, times against him unfortunately so so perhaps somebody in the uh in the engine room as they call it yeah all right this will be the last question and before we move on to the looking ahead to Watrington uh Joe Gorman asks is anyone else still slightly pissed I'm definitely <laughs> hung over uh, it's the worst hangover I've had in years uh, took it a bit too far like I don't know you said you didn't have a drink Craig did you did you have no, a drink not or? one uh, what time was it when when the game started Martin your way? Um, two o'clock. In the morning? So I, um, I, so I, I thought, I, I had to be back up at six o'clock as well, so I thought having a, a celebratory glass or something at, at four o'clock or whenever it was, was a little bit over the top, so I, um, <laughs> I, I, had, a, I had a cup of tea, sorry. Uh, a cup of Yorkshire tea, you can buy Yorkshire tea bags in, in the supermarket here, so a cup of Yorkshire tea. I'm starting to sell Australian sweets over here, like I went to B&M Bargains <laughs> and yeah, caramel yeah, and I've, I've, mini twirls and all for... that. I've got a question for you. Aidan McGeady next season. Yeah, nobody's asked about him. It's sort of going unnoticed, that, isn't it? It's it's like McGeady's been by far and away our most important player since Johnson came in. And that's saying a lot considering how well some of the players have played. And I mean, you you could argue White has been with the goals, but White wouldn't have scored anywhere near as many goals if it wasn't for McGeady. McGeady's yeah. just been sensational. I mean... There was an article today in the Irish Post talking about maybe getting a recall to the Ireland squad. If if uh, if he was out of contract right now, you'd have a queue of championship clubs trying to sign him, even at his age. Um, and sometimes, you know, the, 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 this money ball theory on football, it isn't just about signing young players, you know. It's about it's about finding value, um, mm. finding value and getting the most out of it. And the way McGeady's playing, the, the space he's in mentally... The manager he's playing for, he clearly loves playing for Sunderland, or at least you know really enjoys it because he's he's stuck around. He's been there for people forget he's been there for four years. Um, he's quite close to Glasgow, isn't he? So I'm I'm sure he would sign a new deal if the money was right. Um, the way he's playing at the minute, the under Johnson, I don't know why anyone would want him to leave. That just shows you, doesn't yeah. it, how how much he's turned things around. What what would you do, Craig? Oh, and it, immediately in a heartbeat, yeah, you'd get an extension yeah. straight away. I mean, you you mentioned like the love that he has for the club. It's it's worth remembering. I think it goes unnoticed that after the first season in League One, when he signed the new extension, he essentially like divided his contract over two years. Yeah, like, he, he did, halved yeah. his pay to make sure that he could stay. Um, you're right. He's probably in the best run of form now than he he's, he's ever been uh, during his time at Sunderland. And I remember when he got dropped last season. And you know there was there was kind of arguments from from like either camp saying like it was the right decision, it was the wrong decision, this that and the other. But one of those theories was like, oh, he's lost like a yard of pace, and it's like funny, like he, no. he just hasn't. Like it's it's no. unbelievable. Just still now, like what thirty four year old or whatever, um, just how you know quick his feet are. 
like no matter who's up against him, whether it's a young lad or whatever, like they're gonna have a torrid time. And mm. um, I mean, I watched the the highlights back earlier, and it's it's funny like Lee Hendry at the exact moment where he sends that ball through says, yeah, "So just need a bit of quality yeah. here," and he he takes out what five or six players in one go, and you just think like that. If that was like Messi or if that was somebody in the Premier League, you wouldn't hear the end of it. But because well, it's in this uh, this pizza cup, you know, it'll probably be, be forgotten about. But I mean, by God, if if you're looking if you're looking for a moment of brilliance, Aidan McGeady's yeah. your man. I think it was Colin Murray on the Quest show said um, it was De Bruyne esque. The pass it was, yeah, it was <laughs> perfectly weirded. I mean, no, it was just everything. Vision was excellent. The, the the position he took up to play the pass. I mean, Gooch points for it and he puts it on a plate for him. Just, you, you don't find players with that quality at this level, do you? They don't exist. Nah. I mean, it was that um, inch perfect that Gooch didn't even need to take a touch. Like, yeah. And, and that Wembley pitch, it's a bit of a funny surface. I mean, it's a massive pitch. But um, but the, the fact that he was able to pick that out with such precision, I, I mean, in, in fairness, that, that's going to go down as one of the big Sunderland goals in history, yeah. isn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Right. Okay. We'll uh, quickly touch on the Accrington game, which is on Wednesday night. We'll, they've give us a day off, haven't they? We're not, we never play Wednesday night, um, which I'm a bit gutted about. I wish I just wanted to play every night at the minute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we the, the lads travel to Accrington. Andy Holt will be fuming that he can't rip us off and <laughs> um, charge us 10 times for one game or whatever he does. But uh, yeah. No Sun and fans there, obviously, but it's an, it's another game, and uh, our away form is brilliant. I think, I think we're the best team on in terms of away form in the league, aren't we? So, um, it's probably a good time to be playing Accrington as well. I've just been looking at the form; it's not great. They were right up there for a while. I mean, they're not far off. They're only they're only four points off the playoffs, but they were right in the mix, weren't they? And the the form sort of tailed off in the last couple of weeks, really. Um, lost to MK Dons. At the weekend, did Will Griggs score? No, he didn't. I've just checked. No, he didn't score. But um, yeah, lost MK Dons, got battered off Bristol Rovers during the week last week. Um, beat Swindon very narrowly. It was two, only 2-1. And Swindon are shit. We played them the other week. They were rubbish, weren't they? Um, lost to Ipswich, drew with Fleetwood, who were rubbish. Lost to Crew, drew with Shrewsbury. So, I mean, since the middle of February, really, they've been very poor. It's a good time to play them, Martin, isn't it? You would think. It is, and these are the games that we just have to, you know, get in, get the three points, and get out if we've got the aspirations of, of automatic promotion, don't we? Yeah. Um. Obviously, it'll be interesting to see the the team selection, see who's uh, who pulls up after after the final, and we've got the um the cup tied players to to come back in. What Hopefully would you Jordan do? Jones. What, what would you do? Who would you bring in for the game? Well, Sanderson comes straight back in, doesn't he? I think. Um, Obviously, Flanagan went off injured anyway on 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 Sunday, didn't he? But yeah, um, Sanderson comes comes straight back in for for me. Winchester, um, jo- definitely. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I I really like Winchester. I know he kind of he gets. I think people still are kind of working out what sort of player he is, but to me, he's a he's a very neat and tidy pass. He always looks as if he's got time on the ball, and he progress. He, mm-hmm. he looks forward, and I think it's that's one quality that we don't always have in our central midfield players. Is that Ability to kind of always pass pass forward, so I I'd I'd have him in centre midfield for for the game. And I think like Scowen gets an awful lot of stick as well, but I think when Scowen plays alongside Winchester, he's more suited to that because Scowen can just do all of the donkey work, and yeah. Winchester can get the ball and pass it, and it's not as much onus on Scowen to to progress the ball and, and pass the ball about. So I'd certainly bring Winchester back in. I think if Jordan Jones is fit, he he's a, a shoe in. And you know, you go back to the question earlier on about the formation for the rest of the season. You you look at the players available rather than the formation necessarily. And I think if you yeah. play Jordan Jones, he's got to be out wide rather than that ten yards infield that he plays um in, in a home game recently where he kind of just looked a bit of a fish out of water. So yeah. you, you want Jordan Jones on either wing. On the left he can cut inside, on the right he can put some bloody awesome crosses in, can't you? That that yeah. ball in he put in for, for White, um the other week was was just superb, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So to me, like Jones comes in, you again going back to my earlier point, you'd you'd question whether playing McGeady for the for the full ninety on Wednesday is a smart thing to do with Lincoln on Saturday. Um 
But yeah, I'd certainly bring Sanson back in and Jones back in and Winchester back in. Yeah, I think we looked pretty flat, to be fair, Craig, on Sunday, didn't we? It was slow. Um, I don't know what... I know people people sort of forget that because it was such a great result and a big achievement, really, but the the actual performance wasn't great on Sunday and that, yeah. that'll be playing into the manager's thinking, won't it? I would think so, yeah. Um, and it's it's funny that you mentioned that. I think like the sort of hysteria of the day, like sort of you know, kind of just puts that at the back of the mind. I was listening to Top Flight Time Machine earlier, and Andy Dawson said the exact same. Like Sam Delaney questioned him and said, like, what was the performance like? And he said it was like it was shit, but it didn't really matter. <laughs> um, and that would win the game anyway. But I think you're right. I think that there is a lot of tired bodies in there. Um, and a massive tin hat on. But I think I'd probably actually take Aidan McGeady out the starting eleven for this. I think Jack Diamond, when he came into the uh, the side yesterday, has probably done enough to warrant a start, especially in the way that um, he was able to say like get us out of you know really dangerous positions. He was he was carrying the ball forward like 30, 40 yards at a time, and he was he was buying um, obviously like cheap free kicks that 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 they were giving away. So I think he's probably done enough to to deserve a start. Um, uh, I think obviously we've probably got to keep a, a watchful eye on the weekend as well. So yeah, squad rotation is yeah. going to be crucial here. Um, I think everybody in terms of our big hitters will probably make a, you know, kind of make a, a an impression perhaps from from the weekend for for who starts. But I I take McGeady out, like I said, controversial. I know Maguire would probably get uh, another goal, and that's mainly just because we're we're short on bodies now. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what condition Ross Stewart's in because the expectancy is, is you know, if he's made the squad, um, then perhaps he should realistically be fit enough to to have some involvement. Benji Kimbioka played for the twenty threes today, so is that going to be too much for him to to have mm. him back in the squad for for Wednesday night? But it's, it's interesting you say that, Craig. Actually, like I I thought Stewart might have played today in yeah. that twenty threes game. Like, well, why not? So he's obviously he's obviously been kept back for something isn't he I'm not sure John if it, it feels like sort of because White's been so successful Johnson's held off sort of rushing Stewart into the action but he's got to play at some point hasn't he you know what I mean I mean I keep I, I was I was trying to think about it earlier we're in the middle of March <laughs> we haven't seen the lad kick the ball I mean under no under like usual circumstances but at Sunderland like I'd say usual with quotation marks here uh, we would probably be struggling and you would be sat here going, well, where's Ross Stewart? We've paid all this money for yeah. him and he's not played. But obviously everything's been going great and we haven't had to do that. And yeah, White again, got that's... spattered a bit on on Sunday, didn't he? He had yeah. cut in his head and he, you know, the, their defenders were ploughing through the back of him. Like So whether he's got a, a bit of a knock or whether he's in need of a rest before Saturday or, or what, but as you say, like Stewart's um, absence from the, the under-23s today suggests he's going to be Certainly part of the squad on Wednesday, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the same, same might apply to Dan Neal as well. Um, you know, I think he's perhaps gone quiet over the past couple of weeks, like his, his involvement sort of really, really sort of decreased. But um, I, I think he's going to play an important part going forward as well. And you would expect maybe Wednesday night's the, the type of game that's, that he might uh, excel in, that especially if we're going to be on what you would expect maybe the front foot. We've, we've went down here, we've scored three goals on three separate occasions. So I think the expectancy is we're going to go into this game as favourites. We, we have to win this game. And if you want somebody who's young and energetic and going to get at them, then maybe he's he's the type of person to be involved. So we're going to need to freshen it up um, yeah. to ensure that we keep, obviously, everybody 100% fresh. Because I think, well, from now to the end of the season, it's you know Saturday midweek, every single week. So mm-hmm. a lot of uh, football. Well, well we've, actually, we've actually got a week. This is the first week break we get after Lincoln. So we've Christ. we don't play midweek next week. We've got um Lincoln Saturday and then we've got a full week off till we play Bristol Rovers, which I can't remember the last time that happened. No. Um, yeah. So it, I I think you're right. They've got to put pour everything in these next two games and then finally take a breather after Lincoln because Lincoln's such a massive game. Um, yeah. but we will we'll preview that uh, next week. So yeah, uh, score predictions. Then I'm going to bother you for Juan Martin. You're, you're, looking, you're looking dead behind the eyes there when I ask that question. Like. <laughs> oh, for anybody who's keeping up with the score predictions on on the website, I am diabolical predictions, so don't um, put any money on why why go for. But as Craig <laughs> said, we've we've scored three in the last few occasions at Accrington. I would expect us to do the same. I think um, three one get in there. Ross Ross Stewart hat trick. There you go. 
Yeah, wow. <laughs> Ross Stewart, Harry Quan, Craig, then what do you reckon? Uh, I'll go 2-1. Uh, we'll go with the usual suspects. We'll go with Wyke and, and McGeady if, uh, if, if he is to, to have involvement, which you would expect. I fancy us to win 3-1. Oh, we've got to concede a goal at some point. We can't keep yeah. all these clean sheets up. It's going to be against <laughs> someone shite, isn't it? Um, I'm, I, do you know what it is, actually? We've kept four clean sheets on the bounce. I didn't know that until I've just seen. Yeah. That's pretty impressive, actually. Um, I tell you what, like since since Birch came back in after that Shrewsbury game, he has been fantastic, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's he was deserves a lot of lot, credit. A lot, lot of people gave him man the match on Sunday, and yeah, he would have been man the match on Sunday. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah. So I'm going three one. I fancy uh, McGeady Wyke, and we'll go for Winchester. Fancy a long ranger from somebody. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, we've took up enough of your time, so thank you very much for listening. Um, I'm just praying this run continues. Another clean sheet would be lovely. Another win would be lovely. Most importantly, but yeah, we uh, we will continue to fill your ears and your eyes with lovely content as the week goes on. So yeah, actually, yeah. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.